Hey guys, quick update from the podcast. Our next audio documentary series is going live Monday, August 30th. It's called Slaying Satyev. It's a story about the biggest upset in wrestling history. We put a ton of time into these audio documentaries. Our last one was The Smiths. Slaying Satyev is coming August 30th. It would mean the world to us if you checked out all four episodes on Monday, August 30th, right here on this platform. Typically, like international wrestling, you know, takes a lot of grip strength. So, you know, I, I feel like all, all wrestling does really, but um, it seems like the foreigners climb ropes a little bit more. I know uh, Robbie was over there. The Indian team was there um, training. And I know on his off day, he did, he did 50 ropes. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is Ryan Warner, your host. It's Wednesday afternoon, and we have an Olympic recap for you. It feels like a year ago since the Olympics happened, but it was just last week when USA, Team USA, really did a phenomenal job. And the Olympics overall were just amazing to watch. So I wanted to have Brian Medlin come on the show and share his perspective on the games. Brian Medlin is the head coach at the Illinois RTC. He, he's also an assistant coach at the University of Illinois. And Brian Medlin knows more about international wrestling than just about anyone on the planet, folks. He's also been spending about a month or so in Russia for the past five summers, and he has an intimate knowledge of the international game, and it was awesome to hear his thoughts on the games. Fan of the week goes to my man, Tony Nelson. That's Tony Nelson, 4369 on the gram. Can't remember if I've given you a fan of the week or not, my man, but can't say how much I appreciate all the positive comments on Instagram and just all the love and support. Thank you so much, Tony. And folks, if you're not doing so already, please follow us on Instagram, at Wrestling Changed My Life. I take video clips from each of these interviews and put them on Instagram. So check it out, at Wrestling Changed My Life. As always, folks, we're brought to you by Spartan Combat. Spartan Combat is now accepting custom team apparel orders for this upcoming season. Get singlets, custom warm-ups, custom shirts, all through SpartanCombat.com. Again, that's SpartanCombat.com. Brian Medlin, welcome to the podcast, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm a little post-Olympic bluesy right now, but we're coming, th- we're coming through. It was such an awesome weekend, uh, or week, I should say. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I'm glad there's World Team Trials and Junior Worlds coming up just because it's, yeah, it's kind of just makes you sad when you hated getting up at 4 a.m., but but now that you're not getting up there with the purpose, it's it's been kind of heartbreaking. But got some <laughs> got some wrestling to look forward to. Yeah. And did your did your son watch the Olympics with you? Was he getting up at four? Uh, he was actually out at uh out at a PA camp um at the young at the Young Guns training facility. So I think they were all getting up together and watching it. So it's gonna be good. And the reason I ask is I know your son's a a big international wrestling fan. So I. Yeah, I always yeah, love hearing he, the stories. He, uh, yeah, he's a huge fan of Sadakov. Uh, he texted Sadakov afterwards and, you know, told him congratulations. And Sadakov actually texted him back and told him thank you for believing, said thank you for believing in me. 
So it was, it was awesome. And he's such a good dude. Oh my gosh. That's unbelievable. And for the folks who don't know, I feel like I say that every podcast, but you, um, you have had a relationship with the, um, the wrestlers or I guess a, an academy in Osseti and you've been going over there for how many years? Um, since 2015, I think, I think we've been going over there regularly since then. So, and so you saw Sadakov a few weeks before the Olympics getting ready. Yeah. Yeah. No, we got to watch his kind of final prep. It was, it was interesting. It was interesting watching what he was doing and, you know, how he was eating and, you know, just kind of mental state of, of where he was and, you know, his preparation. It was, it was pretty awesome. And I know I've, I've asked you this several times on calls throughout the week, so it sounds a little awkward, but can you talk about the rope climbing you saw between Sadakov and Ravi? Cause I think it's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I know. And I mean, typically like international wrestling, you know, takes a lot of grip strength. So, you know, I, I feel like all, all wrestling does really, but um, it seems like the foreigners climb ropes a little bit more. I know, uh, Sadakov had that video out there where he was kind of climbing ropes with with that couple 20 pound medicine balls between his legs um and this ropes you know 30 feet or so but uh when we were over there Robbie was over there the Indian team was there um training and I know on his off day he did he did 50 ropes it was just kind of <laughs> crazy watching him do it because it looked like he wasn't even exercising like it looks so effortless the way his his body moved up and down it. Um, it was just kind of crazy. But you know, watching those guys wrestle, I mean, both of them, you know, looking back to their Olympic matches, when they got to legs, they they sucked legs in. You know, it wasn't they had quick finishes, their finish percentage was a lot higher. So I think there is something to the old the old road climbs, but it's just interesting to see you know different different training mentalities and you know they're they don't necessarily get in a weight room, but how strong they are grip wise. You know, I think that rope has a lot to do with it. And you're, and when you're seeing this happen, they're not using legs, if any, right? No, no legs. Yeah, no they legs. Make, they make fun of you. If you use your legs, they're like, they, yeah, they climb up and down without using their legs. And like I said, they would do like Robbie did his 50 and sets of like three to five, like right around there. He would do three and, and get down and kind of shake his arms out, walk around, talk and then just jump right back on. I mean, it was, it was the craziest thing, you know, just watching these guys. And, you know, I know that we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of coaches in America that believe in ropes that really cemented it for me. So. No, a lot of jump roping too, from what I'm hearing. Yeah. And basic stuff. I mean, you don't, you don't need a lot of equipment to get strong and have good footwork, you know, right. Get simple. And you have you know, a, a real eye for the international scene. You watch a, a insane amount of wrestling i can't even fathom how much you watch so i love talking olympic recap with you because you're obviously watching the team usa matches but you were also queuing in queuing me into a few matches that you said hey these are going to be awesome so excited to get into it with you let's just start with 74 kg it's always one of the premier weight classes in terms of competitiveness and and guys coming in this weight class was one where everyone was chalking up dake as a guaranteed gold against Sadakov in the finals. Um, of course, we didn't know where Dake was going to fall because of the seeds, but a lot of people thought it was down to Sadakov and Dake. Um, what are your thoughts looking at this weight class now, a few days removed? Yeah, no, I mean, the the cool thing, and I, I really do like the blind draw a little bit, you know, just because it it adds such an excitement to the first few rounds. And you, you looked at the bracket as a whole, and you just you, know, you had Sadakov there at the bottom, just kind of looming by himself. And then you had all the, all those sharks up at the top, you know, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. You know, thinking about it going, you know, getting ready that as that evening approached, you know, ready for those matches. But yeah, no, I, there was, there was the big dogs, obviously Sadakov and, and I would put Shimizo in with that group with Dake. Um, but then there was the guys that just, you know, we're flying under the radar, like the, the Belarusian that had a great tournament, you know, he had been, he'd been gaining momentum the past couple months, had really good performances at the Euros. Um, just, he's a guy who wrestled for Russia in 2017, had, had beaten a guy that had pushed Burroughs to the, to the limit, a guy named Narakow. So, and just stylistically, he, you can't really push him out with underhooks. So you kind of figured, 
between him and Dake, that was going to be a really interesting match. So, um, you know, surprised maybe that it was, it was a short, but I, to be honest, like since Dake went underhooks with them so much, I, I, I'm not real super surprised at the result. It's, but this was a guy coming in where you said, if you would have saw him in the bracket, you would have said that's one of Dake's toughest matches. And a lot of Americans probably had no idea who this guy was. Yeah. I mean, just like I said, I, I, for whatever reason, had seen him wrestle quite a bit, you know, starting even, you know, in the early, you know, around 2015 or so. And you just, everybody that wrestles him kind of learns you, you can't really push him around with underhooks because he's got two or three different ways that he kind of counters those, you know, pretty effectively to, to scores, not just, not just to clear, he just doesn't clear underhooks. Um, but he wrestles really well, really well from overties. Um, the guy he, like I said, I think the guy he wrestles with is he, he, he did that slide by to Burroughs a couple of times the last time they wrestled. Unfortunately, he did it to, did it to Isaiah when I was coaching him, you know, the guy was kind of known for it. And I think they worked together. Like I said, he's got, he's got two or three different, different things, which is kind of rare, um, from that position. And, and I know Dake wrestles very well from under a seatbelt position. So it was going to be interesting, but at the same time, I knew that that was going to be a, a very challenging match for him because it was taking away one of Dake's best positions, or he was going to have to wrestle this Belarusian where he was really tough. So, but was the 11 0 shocking to you? Yeah, that was the part that I guess, you know, I, I expected Dake maybe after the four to just kind of calm down a little bit, but it seemed like he got <clears throat> maybe caught up in the match <clears throat> and tried to race the four, you know, a little bit early and get and got super aggressive. And then, and then now he's down to eight. Um, and he goes to the edge again. And the, I think the last one was just kind of a bailout, but um, you know, his, his good technique, but at the same time, that guy was kind of tailor made to do that to a guy that was going to try to bully you with, with underhooks. So, um, you know, I think if Dake wrestles him again, he just stays out of it and does what Sadakov did to him in the finals, which, you, you know, if you watch him, Sadakov did underhook him, but he underhooked him without pressure. And then the one time he actually did something from the underhook, he went, under a throw by and he did it right away and he kind of went to a low ankle position and finished on his legs and and that was a big deal so I think I think just living and learning for Dake it's unfortunate he had to learn it at the at the highest level but you know he'll be back he's he's he'll be around I think till till the next Olympics so that's the best part is that it's only three years away yeah that's cool that's cool isn't that amazing and uh yeah you look at a guy like Dake you know mentality wise he thinks there's no way he can lose. So when you have someone like that, it really, you know, crushes their soul. And I'm sure for the rest of their life will anyone who lost this weekend, but to see him come back against um, first the Cuban who's, who's really solid, you know, older, but solid, but then Chimizo, yeah. I mean, he wrestled a really solid match against Chimizo. What did you see there? Yeah. I mean, I really expected Chimizo to be in kind of peak form, you know, looking at like 2016, it seemed like he peaked for, for 2016, that was one of the best he, I felt like he looked. So I, I really expected him to kind of come in and push the action and just it, it to be a really good match, really competitive blow for blow. You know, he does some, does some things that are just kind of unique to him and, you know, Dake controlled him, you know, Dake, Dake did a good job of staying kind of tight to his legs when he got to his legs and just didn't really give him much of a, much of a chance to scramble. So it was good. He, 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 that was one of the better matches I've seen. I've seen him wrestle. So he wrestled great. Yeah. And just, you know, a few out or probably, you know, 12, 24 hours after that loss. So to come back is just, you know, a sign of a warrior, obviously. Um, what kind of balance does Chimizo have? Take at him up in that, in that uh, lock he does, you know, low single comes up, locks it up. Most people they're on their back in two seconds, even someone as elite as Nolf. But Chimizo almost scored a push out on it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. He's like those, he's like those things that when you're a little kid, you had as a punching bag and like you hit it and it like plops down and pops right back up. It's got like sand at the bottom. But that's uh that's that's what he is, man. He's he's kind of he's unique in the fact that like just from the edge, he's so dangerous because you know, you could have his leg in the air and he could turn you. And I've seen him turn people and like kick them in the chest and push them out. So, I mean, his, his balance is unreal, but you know, he trains really hard and, you know, he, he kind of, you know, has, has, has a little bit of, you know, 
he knows how good he is on there. So he has such confidence when you get to his legs that, you know, I think that sometimes he can just bully you with your confidence, with his confidence. So he, he wrestled great. So, I mean, it's just one of those Dakes, Dakes day. So I think that match gets wrestled again. It could be, it could absolutely go the other way. Yeah. That weight <laughs> is so close like that. And, uh, you got to pause and just respect what Cuba's done um, in freestyle. Some of the guys weren't wrestling for Cuba, like Chimizo, and he didn't place. But at 86 or 90, or at Snyder's weight, there was two Cubans who got bronze. The one for uh, Italy, I believe. Um, are you are you knowing what I'm talking about here? Um, yeah, I think he took fifth. I'm he not, took I'm, I don't know. I, th I thought maybe he took. Yeah, you know what? I I watched the match. It was leading up to Snyder's match, and I like had a bunch to do. So yeah. like I knew I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss Snyder's match. So uh, I, I, uh, I think I might the Italian Cuban it. did get bronze. He won at the very, yeah, yeah, he won at the very end. Like I think he was losing the match and then kind of came back at the end. But yeah, no, um, yeah, they have a they have a system down there, man. It's 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 something super special where you know the guys that that wrestle there they have this belief in themselves and, you know, looking at the Greco program together with their freestyle program, they're, the, they're one of the best overall wrestling countries in the world. I mean, and, and with their population, it's just, it's just so rare, you know, to, to see, I mean, I, I, I don't know how many people Havana has in it, but, you know, I can't think that it's bigger than, you know, Chicago or, you know, a place like this, but yeah. just to see so many great wrestlers come from the same area and, you know, and they start to branch out and go to, you know, defect to Italy. And, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's good to have more good wrestlers in the bracket, in my opinion. I, I, I like it when, you know, our better guys, you know, like Amin got to wrestle for, for his country. And, you know, I, I like that stuff, Mitchick. And, you know, I think the, the more the brackets can get better, the better. So, I mean, you got the Russian, the, the Dagestani that wrestled Dake, you know, that's, that's, I think it's good that he's in the bracket. It's good for wrestling because you want to see the best people win in order to do that. All of the best people need to be in the bracket. So, yeah. And I just think it's, you know, we talk about Russia a lot and rightly so, and, and mostly Dagestan and Ossetia, but man, let's, let's give some love to Cuba because they're getting it done. And they're like the size of maybe like Tennessee or Ohio. And yeah, I know you're a Greco fiend and on the Greco side, you know, after day one, they were looking really good and, you know, they still, yeah. they still ended out pretty solid. I mean, it's unbelievable what they can do. What do you attribute it to down there? Are there Soviets coming over and teaching them or what? No, I mean, I think it's just the culture, you know, you, you, you look at their, uh, you look at their training facilities, they don't have anything fancy, you know, they don't have, but they have, they have a tradition and a culture that, that, you know, when you're young, you can believe in this, in this system. And, you know, I think it's, I think they grow up believing they're going to be Olympic champs and that's a powerful belief system. So, and I mean, they're obviously, they've got a lot of knowledge. Their coaches, I think are great. Their coaches care a lot about their athletes. You could tell, you know, watching them coach from the corner, you know, there's the, there's a really special bond there between their athletes and their coaches that, you know, they get excited and their, and their guys wrestle well. So I was, I was excited to watch Salas wrestle. You know, I was, I was glad he, to, for him to get his bronze medal. And you know, like you said, it's, it's good. You know, the more, the more good wrestling we can get, the better. Yeah. It's exciting. You alluded to some of the Michigan guys. I mean, man, I was just so pumped that he got bronze. Uh, you know, the Indian, he wrestled for, for third and fourth solid and he got a last second takedown. Michik, I'm still hurting for him. I love watching him wrestle. He did not look like himself. I think we chalk it up to a weight cut, but um... I, I just don't think he's a 57. I mean, I hate to say it. It's not anything. I think Sean, you know, Burmette does a great job up there. And, you know, I think, you know, uh, Bella Glazov and all those guys probably had him, had him ready to go physically and you know, mentally and everything else, but just, you know, 57, just, he looks so, he looks a little bit, you know, not himself, you know, you see him training up to those times and you see videos and pictures and everything else. And you see him wrestle and he just kind of looks like he's, he's lost a step or two. So yeah, I think it has to do with that. We have to get 135 or 133, whatever the weight is hmm. back in the Olympics, man. Think about John Smith. That was his weight. He, if, yeah. if John Smith was wrestling right now, he'd have to go 125 or 145. Like it's a travesty that you go from 125 to 145 in the in Olympics. Absolute insane. Yeah. And the and the guy and the guy that it hurts the most is is the Azerbaijani Haji Aliyev, who's who's a natural 60 kilo, you know, wins the world every time he wrestles 60 kilos. 
but he's been forced in Rio down to 57, which, you know, wasn't ideal for him. And then up to 65 for, for obviously for, uh, for Tokyo, but you know, that guy at 61, no one touches him. I mean, he's, he wrestles lights out and beats, beats it, beats all comers. So yeah, no, it's, it's crazy to think what wrestlers were missing out on the greatness of them just because they're forced into either a weight class that doesn't work for them or, you know, into a guy that they can't beat from their own country. That's just bigger than them. So yeah, I agree. We need, we need those weight classes back. And especially, you know, I'm a, I'm a lightweight guy, just knowing how big of a jump it is at the lighter weights to go from, um, you know, 57 to 65 is, is really criminal. And Haji could have been a two-time Olympic champ this year, you know, and won every world in between if they had that weight, you know, and they had it in 2016, right? He would have, yep. you know, let's say they had it in 2016, he likely would have won, ran through the worlds and won it again this year, but instead he takes a silver at 145. So yeah. Yeah. Man, let's, let's hit on that class before we hammer out the Americans 65 KG 145 and a half. Um, or 145, correct me there. But um, that is, I got to think, the deepest weight class in the tournament. Um, one of them, no American there, but in the finals, Oduguru, the hometown or the home country wrestler, gets it done. But his match over Rashidov, to me, was probably what sealed the deal there. I didn't get to watch that one. What did, what happened in that scrap? Yeah, I mean, it was 3-2. I mean, it was a, it was a close competitive match. I mean, they're both... They're both very savvy. You know, I think that Ortegrill, it's it's just kind of his time. You know, I, I felt like, you know, watching him wrestle at the, I think he won Worlds in 2018, I believe so. Um, you know, watching him, you know, kind of learn some hard lessons in 2019 that he was going to, he was going to come back and, and this was going to be his Olympics. So, I mean, no offense to Rashidov. Rashidov was wrestling great up to that point. In fact, you could say, Maybe he had the toughest draw of the tournament. He drew into the Armenian, you know, first round and you know, took care of him. Just and a lot of people were saying maybe that Armenian was the was was one of the Olympic favorites. You know, I'm not sure the betting odds or whatever it was, but I know there was a lot of talk. He he had done well and won Euros and and everything else that and the, I think he, he won the World Cup, the the not the world championships, but the the World Cup tournament that they had at, at the end of 2020 that replaced the world championships. So um, you know, and and he was wrestling, you know, at, at probably his peak, but it was just Ortegirl's time. Like I felt like that that was that was the case. You know, it was it was his his time to win. Even when he even when Ortegirl got down, you know, Leah Leah scored, I think it was two two, maybe Ortegirl had scored earlier and then uh, Aliyev scored to, to break it into a tie, but have criteria. Um, and be, I just felt like there was 30 seconds left and there was no, no doubt what the girl was going to score again. So, um, and that's, that's kind of what happened. So it was, it was great. It was great. You know, I think we're, we were witnessing the beginning of somebody that's going to have a big impact on wrestling. I think his shots are so crisp and so lightning mm -hmm. quick. It's just a thing of beauty to watch. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's very technical, and it just seems like when he wants to score, he scores. You know, whether he gets he gets long on a shot a little bit sometimes, and he's able to just quickly pull his legs in and get his hips underneath and center his body and start to get pressure in. But his his finish rate is is very high when he gets his hands locked, and just he's dynamic and can score from a bunch of different positions. And yeah, he's he's fun to watch for sure. Love his style and. I saw his tweet today or, or on Instagram, something that us hasn't had a medalist at that weight since Bill Zadick won in 06. To me, that yeah. is just a stunning fact because I think of that as like some of our best wrestlers, you know, that, that weight class, the Metcalfs, the JOs, the Yannis, the Picos, and not a medalist since 06. Yeah. And I think, I think that has to do with just how competitive the weight class is. It isn't the, the caliber of wrestling we have had because we I feel like we've had a bunch of guys in that time frame that could have medaled. It's just saying how tough that tournament is at 65 kilos. I mean, or 66 or whatever it was you know, a few years ago. So, yeah, no, I think it's it's pretty interesting, you know, thinking about the guys that have beaten world champs at that level. You know, you got a guy like – Jordan Oliver, who beat Chimizo, you know, you got a guy like, you know, Kyle, uh, Brett Metcalf, who beat Kerbanaliev, you know, these guys have beaten the best in the world. It's just 
at the tournament, it's just it's unforgiving how how close all these guys are. And Yanni beating Bajrang as a college sophomore. I mean, geez, yeah. it's like it's so much fun there. And it's just like it's just gonna continue. I mean, I just can't wait for the next big world event. I know that's coming up in two months for the seniors. I don't know how many of these guys will go, but it sounds like a lot of the wrestlers from the Olympics will be competing at the world championships in two months from now. Yeah. And, and I think you said, you know, Yanni's Yanni's right there with the best in the world. You know, I think he was a little bit young um, and just kind of experienced a little bit at the Olympic trials is, is kind of what Ortegirl learned at the 2019 worlds. You know, he needed that, that Olympic trials. And I think he's going to be special moving on. So I'm excited to watch him compete at the trials and, you know, Hopefully if he makes the, makes the world championships, it'll, it'll be tough. It'll be tough there. So we'll see it. We'll see. Yeah. And I know he was at Tokyo. Yanni was his day's workout partner. So to see all the drama unfold firsthand in the warmup area, got to have a major impact on him and his future development. So can't wait to, to see what's in the future at 65 for the U S all right, let's hit on some of these medalists. Thomas Gilman, just utmost respect for his just the way he battled all weekend in the opening round if we can think back folks he had Ogoyev, the russian who i thought was one of the locks coming in and he did end up winning but it was a hard-fought battle um did you did you expect gilman to put up that kind of a fight against Ogoyev in that first round yeah yeah no i mean looking at it it i, th- I think going into the tournament you couldn't say that there was a bigger favorite than Ogoyev out of all the wrestlers. Like the guy's just, he just really seemed to be in a class kind of his own, on his own. But there's there's always these, you know, if the bracket played out this way, kind of like Kyle Dake, what we were talking about, if the bracket could play out this way, it's going to be a lot tougher for him. And just seeing that and in, in knowing he kind of cuts a little bit weight, you know, comparatively to the to the other guys in the weight class, seeing who he had and, you know, knowing Gilman and the, and the pace that he brings, Gilman – doesn't you know I don't know how much weight he cuts but it doesn't seem like he ever is able to you know not really have a good gas tank late so you know knowing that that was going to be the case you know you kind of knew that it was going to be a good match and you know it was it was awesome and it was just so close there to to pull in the whole big probably one of the biggest upsets of of the tournament so it was it was just you knew it was going to be good it was good you know, but Goya found a way at the end there to, to, to win. So it was great. It was awesome. And just that trip at the end, it's just, I don't even know. I know last time we talked, you had a, a rhyme and a reason for it, but to me, that's just the definition of getting it done and like just finding a way to win. Um, Cause that Merkel position, you know, 15 seconds left, I thought they were going to stalemate it, but they let it ride. And then Gilman kind of looked up and like you said, last time moved mm-hmm. his foot in and that trip, God, it was just, you wasn't, you couldn't time it any better. Yeah, no. And I mean, I think there's two things that kind of happened there. One, I think you saw how like Ugoya knew, knew that that foot needed to come closer. And that's a product of like sparring, you know, that's a product of like feeling the position a lot of different times, you know, and play wrestling and just kind of knowing, Hey, look, if I, if I can get him to step a little bit, I can, I can reach my foot out and catch that ankle, you know? And then, the other thing I think, you know, folk style hurts us a little bit in that miracle position because it's it's a takedown in folk style. So we're used to clamping there. And once we clamp, you know, our leg's going to be sucked in there. And, you know, a lot of bad things are happening. And I, I felt like Gilman had the right idea because he started to kind of slip his knee. He was strong with his side headlock and he started to kind of slip his knee. And then the second he looked at the clock, it was like he went into full clamp down mode. And he wasn't improving his position at all. And you just saw that left foot of his start to kind of pull in. And then once it got, got close enough, you know, Goyev recognized it and, and scored right away. So it was unfortunate. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, I couldn't imagine that. I'm sure the bronze medal helped Gilman sleep that night, but you know, just, or the next day, I guess. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's going to think about that look a few times when he peaked at the clock. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, I was really looking forward to his match with the Uzbek. Um, can't think of his name right now. Young guy though, really wrestled yeah. Ogoyev well too. Um, yeah, no, and I mean that's that's another guy. Ogoyev had to pull it out against him. I thought, you know, and that's that's a product of that bracket. And and a lot of people don't think about it. When you're on the top, you have like so let's say you're the number one seed. You have seven matches between the next time you wrestle, 
But if you're on the bottom, you actually only have three matches because you're you're coming. They roll right into that quarterfinal round and you just have the, the three quarterfinals above you and then you're going again. So I think that that's that's one thing, you know, I looked at immediately and I'm like, oh, no, you know, because it could it could have bumped Gilman out, you know, but fortunately, Ugoyev's great and, and 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 sucked it up and whatever the Russians did, you know, to help him kind of regain and rehydrate and whatever it was, you know, thank, thank goodness. Yeah. And then he pulled Gilman in and then Gilman just lit up uh, the Uzbekistan wrestler. I mean, that really just showed me, gosh, this guy is just, he's such a professional mentality wise. He's not going to let anything get in his way. Cause like I said, you know, you just said the, the Uzbek pushed uh, Ugoyev right to the brink and uh, Gilman yeah. teched him. And then same with the rounding. He really handled him, just took care of business. Yeah, no, both really quality wrestlers. I thought Gilman's body looked great. You know, he's doing the same knee pull. You know, I think his finish rate was was really good. Um, but you know, for the most part, his his body looked looked phenomenal and looked ready to go. So yeah, he had a, he had a great tournament. At David Taylor's weight, really the finals is the is the main event to focus on. There, Yazdani and David Taylor rolled through that bracket. Um, all due respect to everybody else, but we can all see there a whole level above everybody. I was surprised at how Yazdani shut David down for a lot of the match um, and really controlled. I wouldn't say shut him down, but really controlled the pace for a lot of the match. Yeah, it was kind of, it was different than their previous matches where there was just kind of guns blazing the whole time. You know, I think Yazdani had a great game plan. You know, I think just in the end, you know, his simplicity and, you know, a, a good hard double, finished finished it but you know a lot of a lot of good stuff happened right before it but yeah no I think for those two they were the class you know I think Nafanov the 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 Russian was on there on Yazdani's side I thought he wrestled he wrestled really well against Yazdani but you know just maybe not yet in that tier that those two are in um you know and then obviously Punya and, and Amin on the other side were, were both both quality but yeah you're right just not really in that in that upper echelon. Hopefully we see, you know, I just, I'd, I'd watch them wrestle a thousand times. So hopefully they both yeah. stick it out to, to 2028. I hope. No, man, that would be awesome. 2028. And uh, Nafana, it's Nafanov, right? Yeah. The Russian. I read that he, along with Sadakov, was involved in some kind of like horrible school bombing in 04. Um, and de- do you yeah. know about this? Yeah. So it was the Beslan terrorist attacks. Um, so I've actually been to the to the monument where, you know, all they laid all the kids to rest and the parents and teachers and everything. Um, it was uh, it's very moving, you know, thinking about what those kids went through on that day. You know, it's just it's just upsetting. So, yeah, yeah no, it's a, it's a really it's a really tragic event. You know, I think that there I think there's some some things that happen outside the United States that that we don't necessarily hear about that that are really terrible that some of these athletes that are getting to the Olympics go through. And, you know, I think that's the cool thing about the Olympics. You know, there's such, such a varied experience of people that get to share a common emotion. So mm-hmm. it's really special to the sport. Absolutely. And I'll, I make, I can't wait to, not that I can't wait cause it's a horrible event, but just, you know, those kind of things are interesting to me. So something yeah. uh, that we'll be posting. Yeah, search, about. It, search it, search it is the best on terrorist attacks. Um, you know, it was a, it's a group of people that came in and took over school in essence and, and, uh, you know, ended, ended very poorly and, you know, just, just heartbreaking, heart wrenching to think about, you know, just, you know, you hear about, I can't remember, I don't want to say the number of kids that were killed, but there was a, there was a ton, you know, and just hearing that number and you don't really think about it till you're standing there and you're looking across this giant graveyard. That's all just these children, you know, and you just think, man, it, this is uh, this is what 300 plus kids look like that just ended their lives that day, or you know, people and everybody else that that didn't get to breathe another breath after this, and you know, it's just just heart wrenching to think about. And the the kids that went through it, you know, what kind of you know what kind of gratitude do they live life with? You know, what kind of what kind of emotions did Sadaka feel? You know, when he when he when he won. So I, I you know, my heart goes out to him. Yeah, it's a unspeakable tragedy, and both of those guys went through it. Um, 
which is, if you take a step back from the tragedy, even remarkable that two Olympic medalists go to the same elementary school is pretty stunning. <laughs> That's just how deep this, uh, this region is for wrestlers. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's the, there's the whole story, you know, uh, I was talking to Sadakov and asked him if it was true, if he walked five miles to practice every day. And he said, yeah, so or not five miles. It was, it was six, six kilometers. So it was a little <laughs> over three, just one way to practice. And I, I think about that story all the time when, you know, thinking about his tournament and everything else, all the, all the love and passion you have to have for the sport to, <laughs> to walk that far every day and then practice and walk home. So, and it's cold it's out of, there, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely got some, got some temperature. And so folks, coach Medlin here speaks Russian now and actually interviewed Sadakov. I don't know if it's posted on Rockfin yet. Is it the interview? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm gonna, it's on a computer that got broke. So I'm waiting for my laptop to, to get sent back to me. Um, they're working on it. So hopefully the, the file got kept because I did all the subtitles and everything else. So I was going to release it the week of the Olympics. That was my plan. And then my keyboard started to stop working and, and now they have to repair it. So hopefully, hopefully I'll have it up in the next couple of weeks. Well, I can't wait to listen to it. Cause he's, he's just the way he wrestles. And, you know, even though it hurt, seeing him beat JB, like the way he did it in the last seconds in 2018 to 2019, unbelievable. So yeah, he's, he's a, he's a crowd favorite for sure. Um, so yeah. David Taylor, you know, gets it done against Yazdani. Who doesn't love David Taylor? He's just, you know, the, one of the faces of USA wrestling up at the next weight class. The great one, Sad Jelayev, gets it done again. The only two-time champ in freestyle that we had this year, um, I mean, Snyder looked really good the whole tournament. Were you surprised he wasn't hand fighting as much in the first period, or was that just Sajulayev's game plan? I was really, to be honest. Like I, I was, I was a little bit shocked at that. Um, you know, looking at their two matches, you know, in 2017, he was like a, he was like a bull, and I think it kind of threw Sajulayev off. And I think, really, to be honest, like you know, listening to some interviews with the co Russian coaches afterwards, I think they were a little bit shocked that the pace wasn't a little bit higher going into the first, but, you know, backing up to the bracket, you know, is the same thing. Like date kind of was a little bit of a victim of the lopsided bracket, but Sajalaya was a victim of the lopsided bracket. Crazy. You know, he's got Olympic champ first round, you know, wrestles, I think solace next round, you know, like it was, it was like, boom, 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 you know, good guy, good guy, good guy, you know, right for him. And he shut him, shut everybody down. So, you know, props to him for 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 having that you know having that ability to kind of go match to match to match you know from first round to a quarterfinal that was really tough you know and just game plan wise you know I felt like I felt like they had maybe a little better game plan in in that match than you know I'm, I'm not sure you know I'm not in Snyder's corner so I'm not really sure what what the what the what the thought process was and what they were looking for but you know he was right there I mean it you know, it's one of those things, Sajalaya was just, he, he could be, and I'm not putting him in that class yes, but yet, but I mean, he could be considered one of the greatest of all times by the time he's done, you know, how dominant he's been, you know, won a, won a world championship the year after he won a cadet world championship, won a senior world the year <laughs> after. I mean, that's, that's crazy to me. Oh to my God. A, a, a 17 year old kid just going up and, and wrestling solace, I think in the, in the world finals and, and just, you know, dismantling him and under you know, a minute and a half, a guy that's a full grown man, you know? So, and ever since then he's shown nothing but greatness. So I think this is a guy, hopefully he continues to wrestle. I hope they both continue to wrestle. And we kind of keep seeing this back and forth from them. You know, I think, uh, I think that's what wrestling needs. You know, everybody was so excited to watch that match and, you know, everybody was, it had everybody talking, it had, you know, new news channels that don't usually cover wrestling. We're talking about it. So it was, a. Uh, it was exciting. The match lived up to the hype. It's just Saj Live had a, had a great match, and you know, hopefully, Snyder goes back and and finds something to rebuild from on it. So, yeah, the second great. period, I thought things were moving a little bit in the Snyder direction, and then just time ran out essentially. Um, yeah, and now there's yeah. so much more to like it than that, getting, but he was getting to him a little bit more, you know. And I think a couple of things. I think you know Saj Live's chest strap position 
you know, I've watched a ton of practice matches and it seems like he's been in using that pinch a lot more in the past two years than he used it. And not that he didn't use it before, but it seemed like he worked a lot of stuff from underhooks and, you know, seatbelt position where now it's more of a lot of counter offensive stuff, um, you know, and just watching him wrestle that, that pinch in that, and that chest trap position kind of, kind of maybe caught Snyder a little bit, you know, in, in that position where he was super comfortable in and, and maybe Snyder wasn't as comfortable. So, um, yeah, no, I think, I think that, and just his, his ability to, to shut matches down, you know, what was, was on, on par. Like he, he just really has that ability when he's obviously in 2017, the match got away from him, but I think Snyder was wrestling a different pace in that match. He swatched his hands and were constantly moving. His pressure was really forward, really forward, almost, almost overly aggressive a couple of times, but it paid off in the fact that, you know, Sajulai was almost, almost un, you know, unmanageable. Like he couldn't, he couldn't function at the end of the match. So I think, right. uh, you know, is a, is maybe a, a a complex, you know, combination of all of the above. So yeah, that when he, when Snyder hit that low single, and Sajulayev chest wrapped him and held him in the air like that, I'm like, that's one of the <laughs> most impressive feats of human strength I've ever seen. Like Snyder's two twenty squirming, moving. Yeah, and Sajulayev held him there, and it was just like it was a bummer because I wanted Snyder to win, obviously, but man, it was just just an incredible feat of strength. I don't think people realize how strong you have to be to do that. His hips are crazy. His hips are crazy strong. So, I mean, just the ability to, 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 to push your hips in there and, and lift another guy's, you know, legs off the mat that are straight out are, are pretty <laughs> impressive. And the fact that Snyder didn't go, I mean, that was the other thing that impressed me. He didn't go all the way over. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that was, that was, a, it was, a, it was a nice little scramble. Yeah, it was. And uh, I'm thinking back to what you said earlier. It was the Georgian who Sajulayev wrestled, I think, in the second round. A really tough yeah. Georgian. Uh, who took Kadze, who, who actually, you know, gave Snyder all he wanted in the, in the Olympic quarters in, like, 2016. He actually armed through Snyder, or semis, or semis or quarters, but he, Snyder was down 4-0 against him. And guys, guys got, like, 10 or 11 medals, I think. I don't Jeez. know. But yeah, that, that draw was brutal. And he just made it the way he made that draw look easy was the most impressive thing. It's just, you start with good guy, good guy, good guy. I mean, not good, great, you know, Olympic champ. And then, then, a, then a world, you know, few time world medalist and then Salas and then Snyder. And he just made it all kind of look, look kind of whole home. So it was the impressive. Guy, the guy who I was going crazy about coming into this tournament, just, Mohammedian, he didn't even get past the first round. That gets yeah. that's just a tough weight, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I mean he has that was that top four people. There was Sharifov, Odukadze, and Mohammedian, you know, and they just, you that know, is that so ridiculous. Crazy. That could have been a semifinal in any world championships in the past, you know, 15 years. And just that was the top four, that was the top quarter at this Olympics. So, and I love seeing it, you know, like you said, and then Ozukazi, you know, kind of took it to him. So it was, it was good. Yeah. And he's, uh, the, the Iranians teched Bo Nickel. And I think he's even text Snyder, uh, when Snyder was kind of in that transition period, but regardless Snyder's back, he looked solid, really solid. And, you know, I have no doubt that he'll be going through 2024 and, Maybe 2028. He's ex- he's extraordinarily young, and he's the first yeah. wrestler since John Smith to medal at six consecutive world events, which is yeah. just remarkable. Yeah, his his attitude is what impresses me the most. You know, he doesn't he doesn't get too high or too low. It seems like you know, watching him watching him lose and watching him win, he does both with such grace. You know, I think he's going to be a a mainstay in this program, you know, USA wrestling. And I think he's going to be around for hopefully till 2028, at least maybe beyond who knows if we're lucky. For sure. Um, All right. Let's get to Gable. I mean, at any point in that finals match, were you doubting if he was going to pull it out? Cause I'll admit I was getting a little nervous. Sure. Big time. Everybody, everybody was, you know, I think, uh, Going in, I, I was actually talking with some with some coaches about it, and just you you didn't know how good Gable was, like because you just you had no you had no basis to to compare him to. Like there were good there were good guys like Mason Paris, and like he had a tough match with Gwiz, and then he beat Gwiz pretty good. You know, like you had these these kind of sporadic results, so you couldn't really tell 
just how great he was, but you had this sense he was great. You know what I mean? Like you had a you had an idea that that he was as good as you as you as he could possibly be. You know, as he was Olympic champ caliber, or whatever. So he makes it through his his first round. You know, he did the same move four or five times in a row. Like just snapped and went around him. You know, so it's like all right, we don't really know. Still don't really know. And then he demolishes that ghoul in the quarters. And it's like, all right, yep, he's he's that guy. Has so anyone ever done that to that ghoul like that? No, no, no one, no one does that to him. I mean, he's <laughs> he's he's arguably one of the best of the past couple of decades for sure. And just thinking, thinking about it still to this day, it's like, man, it's unbelievable that he just was able just to, you know, take him in positions that that he was comfortable and chase basic angles and snap down, go behind fake, you know, just, just basic wrestling, just kind of tuned him up. So, I mean, going into the finals, I had a lot of confidence. I thought, you know, I was, I was a little bit interested to see how Petrus Vili sucked his leg in because to be honest, like Stevenson, just his hips are so strong. It's, I thought there's no way if he shoots a kind of a long single, he's just going to get buried, which, which did happen for the most of the match. But then, so like, up until the point where Stevenson got taken down kind of late in the second, I was like, man, he's going to win. There's no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. And he got taken down. It's like, all right, that's one takedown. But then Petrus really locked up that gut and started gutting him. And the way he was getting gutted, I was like, oh, no. Like this, they, I mean, you could have just seen it being almost over if there was enough time, you know, that. But there was one gut, he kind of leaned, he almost went, he went back down and Thankfully, the ref was like, all right, that's enough. And then brought him up. And it's like, all right. But even then, I think he was down by three or, you know, by something three. like that. It's like, it's like, all right, you know, he did a good job. And they got, he got the first takedown. And then he did the smartest thing that, that, he, that I've seen a young wrestler do. And, and, you know, he's got good coaches and he's been around wrestling enough that he's heard people say this, that, you know, he's got nothing on top right now for these guys. So uh, hopefully that's something he adds to his game. But as of right now, he doesn't have a gut. He doesn't have anything. So he just put his hands on him, took him down quickly, put his hands on him. Usually that's a little bit of a warning. Sometimes I've seen refs just let the parterre go for, un, you know, I think it's stupid, but it's just a, a commonplace thing. But thankfully that ref, it kind of caught him off guard. He blew the whistle and I'm like, he's going to win. The second he stood up, I'm like, he's going to win. Like, I don't know how this last seven seconds ago, but you look at Petrus Vili was barely moving when he got to his <laughs> feet. And I was like, Oh, and just watching that. And you just knew with, with when it was going three, two, and he had that little bit of a head start and you saw him just barely make it behind. Like that was, that was one of the best matches heavyweight heavyweight's been a treat for us lately. Just the, you know, watching it, but, uh, that was that was an awesome finish to a match. So it was God. great. And like to your point, there's so many moments in it that come to my mind. The first was when they went out of bounds in the first period, and Gable might have been the second period, but Gable slammed the hell out of them. And I'm like, yeah, holy shit! Like this guy can launch anybody. Yeah, and that ref, I mean, honestly, blows the whistle a second later. That's four. You know, like that's the difference in the match where it's not even really competitive lately. In the late, I think they get, ended up giving them one. So, yeah, but yeah, no, I mean, just to do that to a guy that's, like you said, that's arguably right there with Agul as, as being one of the best lately. I mean, their matches together at Ghouls and Petrus Feelys is, has, have been awesome, but, you know, I think, I think that was a, that was a sign, you know, hopefully need, hopefully sticks with wrestling and doesn't, doesn't jump, jump shit to WWE too soon. I think it's like, man, Three more years, finish out college, get a couple NCAA titles, win another 250 grand, be done in 2024, man. That's a selfish man talking, but I just yeah. got to think, now that he's beaten these guys, I don't think Petrus Feely is ever that close again, maybe. I think he just, I mean, who knows? It's tough to say, yeah. but. No, I think I think it is that close. You do? I, I do. I, th I think those guys, I think even Agu will be close. Um, he never wrestled Iranian. Um, Zari from from Iran, who's who's really tough. So, I think and Zari's really young. Like I think he's twenty or twenty one, something like that. So, I think those guys will have a good game plan, and seeing them twice will will help. But I I think he's the I think he's the class above. So I think he can go on, like you said, and win the Olympics in twenty twenty three, but or twenty twenty four. But the fact is, like, there's a lot of money to be made. <laughs> like I'm not really sure if I would be able to pass off. 
you know, however many millions of dollars that they're offering them to go. And I don't really know. Yeah. I know nothing than, than what I've, what I've heard from people talking about how much that's kind of being flown out there to, to the, to the world wrestling or W I don't even know what it stands for, what yeah. WWE stands for, but man, <laughs> I don't know if I could turn down 5 million a year. Cause that's, that's 15 million. By yeah. 2024. <laughs> that's amazing. It's yeah. also amazing at how quickly international wrestlers will scout a guy. Like by the time the finals hit for Gable, you saw like the first period, it looked like some adjustments had been made. Um, and just, they really were starting to maybe catch on a little bit more than they had in those opening rounds. Yeah. No one, no one expected him outside the U S there's not a single person in the world that thought he was going to win. Like, I mean, it was like, really? no, no, for sure. Like you got to remember, he doesn't really done anything outside of the U S in a while. Like he, he went to, uh, like I think in 2017, maybe he was like third in the junior worlds. Um, but just, you know, it wasn't, like, I think we've got to see him and his development enough, you know, and, you know, going from a guy who's loses to Kassar and the NCAAs to, you know, a guy that's almost seemed untouchable this year to a guy that's, you know, making, making Nick Wazdowski look like a, like, like a not competitive wrestler. You know, you saw that development if you were inside the U S but, you know, if you're outside the U S you're just not paying attention to that. You know, I'm not saying they didn't respect him. I just don't think anybody expected him to win. I mean, think about this, like Anthony Kassar beat him at the NCAAs. And to think that Anthony, Kass what would happen to Anthony Kassar if he wrestled Petrus Fuller at Ghoul? It's, it's frightening, you know? I mean, in the yeah. sense of the freestyle development. So Gable jumped that quickly, man. God, he's, yeah. he's just... Yeah, uh, hopefully he sticks with it, man. We'll see. Pro we'll probably see. not, man. If he doesn't, you know, thank you for that awesome, awesome couple of matches because it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, Coach, that's the Olympics, man. USA had a chance to win the whole thing. We didn't get it done. We got to be impressed with that. I'm going to recap the girls' team uh, or the women's team later this week, but, man, um, they looked really good. The, uh, the wrestler from Japan who won Sarah Hildebrandt's weight, she might be the best wrestler in the world across the women's division. Um, what was her name? Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not 100%. Sure, I don't want to say the wrong name, so I'm not. We'll cut, we'll cut that. There's, we'll cut that. Kind of, yeah, no, don't, don't, yeah, don't ask me anything. To be honest, like cut all the things I talk about with this wrestling. For sure, That's it. I just my 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 head can only hold so much knowledge. So I hear you, man. Well, Coach Medlin, thank you as always, sir. It's great to catch up. I can't wait for the uh, Illinois folk style season to get here, and uh, Luke Luffman competing at the Junior Worlds coming up here this weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Thanks for coming on, Coach. Have a good one. Thanks. And that's the end of this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. Thank you to our sponsor, Spartan Combat. And coming Monday, August 30th, we will be releasing our next audio documentary series. It's called Slaying Satiev. It's a story about the biggest upset in wrestling history that took place at the 2000 Olympics. We put a ton of time into these audio docs. So it would mean the world to me if you would check out Slang Sativ on Monday, August 30th, right here on this platform. Peace!